0: Hello. Hey. So, you know how I was a really good student last week and I took notes? Yeah. You know who had to edit last week? Yeah. And who had to edit out all those keyboard sounds?
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. man. You were clacking too much, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And now it backfired.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully now you have the gain turned down a bit and you're cl- closer yeah, to the right? mic and... You have the keyboard position to where it's not going to get picked up so much, or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll just like put it way far away because I, I have my computer on a riser, so I can just kind of scoot it. It's forward.
1: just your like your laptop keyboard, right? Like a little chiclet. Yeah, well, uh, it's a keyboard.
0: It's a little Apple one, you know. Yeah, okay, it's a that's a baby. It shouldn't be that loud. Yeah,
1: mine is is like, you know.
0: A gamer one? It's a
1: mechanical one, yeah, so. Oh, yeah. When I'm typing on it. Oh, yeah. I'm in the mainframe, you know?
0: Yeah, you're a fucking stenographer over there. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to leave that in. Yeah, for for
1: sure. (laughs) sure. Well, that's, yeah. There you go. That's That's what you would (laughs) otherwise have to edit out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, mine. Maybe I'm just a loud typer.
1: It's possible. I mean, you can really hammer it. (laughs) You know, yeah you get furious typing something
0: <laughs> all right well i'm the teacher this week so i don't have to take notes so let's get going
1: i got my notepad over here so that i don't clack too much
0: <laughs> yeah i'm one of those asshole professors who don't let you bring laptops to take notes yet. was that ever hand a hand thing like no i guess it wasn't that, you I had people school, tell you
1: like thing. you can't record me or record my yeah. lectures i never had anybody be like no you can't bring a laptop in
0: I don't think I did either.
1: But like a lot of times I felt that if I brought my laptop in, I would be more prone to distraction and would not mm-hmm. like remember my notes that I did type as well.
0: Yeah, I I liked when other people did it because I could see what games they were playing. <laughs> one guy was playing like the original KOTOR one time. Wow. <laughs> and I just got to like watch KOTOR happen in front of me.
1: Yeah. My wow. thing was always For- like, unless, it were, it, unless it's an attendance class, why did you show up to play a game? but yeah yeah but maybe they're very auditory and they're just kind of listening to a podcast or something you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah the podcast of knowledge yeah (laughs) which is what we are yeah i actually some some listeners have actually said they they use this to study and that made me really happy wow
1: cool isn't that cute yes that's awesome
0: i love it all right well if any of you are art history majors today is your day We are going to be talking about Russian constructivism. Heck
1: yeah. All right. Okay. I don't know what that is. So, I mean, I do, I do (laughs) like basically know what that is, but I don't know a lot about it. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you you read the Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, yep. (laughs) Here's the thing though. I I was going to, I thought about this being my opening bit, which is that I'm going to put museum websites on blast and I was researching artists. Most of the time they would just pull from their Wikipedia page and they would literally have a link that says go to the Wikipedia page. So oh, wow, Tate Museum, you're on watch. I think the MoMA also did this. So, yeah.
1: As far as like the blurb <laughs> for the artist or whatever, it was just yeah, like, go yeah. read about them on Wikipedia.
0: Basically, yeah. They're like, we don't know.
1: Oh, man. At least they could do the classic thing where you cite the source that Wikipedia cites.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Come on. Just reword
1: it slightly. (laughs) Yeah. Anybody who's done a research paper should know how to do that.
0: Yeah, come on. (laughs) Anyway, but that's okay. It's a good source and it's free.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: Russian constructivism. Let's do it. Um, Just to give you some sense of time period, we're in the early 1900s. It was founded in 1915. um, Okay. But that's kind of always a loose term. Because usually by the time someone names an art movement, like, people have already been doing it for a while. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, you're kind of, like, pointing at something that exists and saying, what do we call that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it was founded by Vladimir Tatlin and Alexander Rodchenko, both of whom we're going to talk about in a bit. Okay. So the main thrust of this movement is the idea that art should reflect the modern industrial world. What, What do you think that means? I'm just curious. Uh...
1: I guess that modern industrial world, I guess more like sleek, you know, uh, more angular or I'm thinking of brutalist architecture, I guess, but like blocky or like fits its function instead of very fancy frilly, like Mm -hmm. over the top. What is that? Broke stuff, you know? Yes. Anti that. Okay,
0: you like, you got pretty close there. All right. So... What they meant by this, there's a few different facets of it, but overall, um, when you talked about function, that was really basically it on the nose okay. is they wanted to function should determine form is determined by materials instead of like more traditional arts. Like, wow, I transformed this marble to look like a guy, like yeah. crazy. Now it looks like skin. Mm-hmm. And this was more like, what can I make with things like, you know, steel and glass and wood and all these like, you know, building materials basically to really emphasize their material. And yeah, does does that make sense?
1: So like not so much transforming it as showing the material itself.
0: Mm Hmm. So it's more like a technical analysis of modern materials in order to contribute to mass production and a modern communist society. Wow. Yeah.
1: All right. So they were trying to, they, their art had a purpose to advance communism.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. which is why we're talking about nice. it. Nice. So, yeah, you were you were pretty close there. Basically, the idea of construction is now the mode instead of just talking about composition. The idea of, like, this is about usefulness and utility over beauty.
1: For, okay, I don't get that. What is composition versus construction yet?
0: Yeah, so if you look, like, at a painting of a horse by a lake or whatever. Right. <laughs> I, I just thought of the, the bougiest painting I could think of. <laughs> the whole point of that painting is, like, the composition and the application of color and how it looks real and how like it's pretty and all that stuff. And these guys are just like, I don't give a shit about that. Like I, I want to make something that explores these new materials or not necessarily new, but cool materials that could then be translated into something that's useful for society. I think it'll make more sense once we look at some examples.
1: So far, my understanding (laughs) of that is composition is like how it looks Like it's finished Mm -hmm. product and then construction is how it's put together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right.
1: Okay. Cool.
0: Okay. So I can read a little. So they have like a lot of art movements. They have a manifesto. This was published in 1923. Um, And it says the material formation of the object is to be substituted for its aesthetic combination. So that's kind of what we're talking about. Okay. The object is to be treated as a whole and thus will be of no discernible style, but simply a product of an industrial order, like a car, an aeroplane, and such like. Constructivism is purely technical mastery and organization of materials. So they're big nerds, basically.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like, well, I don't know. It sounds like anti-art as it was previously done. Like, it's not that. It's...
0: Definitely, and like they, they in some ways will show that very explicitly and very hilariously, in my opinion. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) yeah, I think you'll you'll enjoy that. Uh, just to continue with the overview portion of this this lecture. All right, so the thing about jumping into art history is that every movement stems from another movement, Mm -hmm. and that all that I originally had like three extra movements on my docs, and I was like, "Mm, I don't know if we'll have time.
1: You're like tracing the genealogy of it all the way back. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I do want to briefly touch on some precursors. Maybe, you know, if our listeners are familiar with these art movements or just want to do a quick Wikipedia read on them, you know, you can kind of get some concepts from them that I think are useful. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with Cubism. Maybe you've heard of that one. Uh, of is
1: that Pablo Picasso?
0: Yeah, he was one of the main dudes. It was him and Brock is also the famous one. They were kind of the fathers of Cubism.
1: Brock-like Pokemon... Breeder Brock? <laughs> no,
0: it's, it's spelled with a Q. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's B-R-A-Q-U-E, I believe. Wow,
1: all right. It was way off. I just pictured Brock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brock from Pokemon, yeah. Um, he had a very cubic-looking <laughs> Geodude at one point, and he was inspired. So cubism is the idea of you're viewing an object from multiple different angles, and you're trying to represent, like, multiple angles at once okay. so that's why everything looks kind of crazy with cubism
1: <laughs> all right perspectives um, but all at the same
0: time basically yeah and there's different like eras of cubism as early cubism where it's very much about those planar shapes and things like that mm-hmm. um and then there's later cubism which gets more into collage that became a really big deal and some of the constructivists kind of pick up on that theme which is cool mm-hmm. um but that's kind of It was a big deal because it was one of the first like moves away from like super representational work and like more expressionist work. So I just wanted to say like that that's going to come into play here a little bit. Okay. And then I also want to talk about futurism.
1: Ooh. Sounds cool. I like that.
0: (laughs) Have you heard of it?
1: Yes, but I only have the vaguest idea of what it... I have more of a speculation idea of what it might be. Okay. I don't really know. (laughs) No.
0: It was also, it was kind of based on cubism. You can see it when you look up, like, what it looks like if you just Google futurism and art. It kind of has that same idea of, like, looking at lots of planes. But their big thing was movement. Okay. And they were all about technology and speed and, like, not the drug, but. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And. But their idea was like, they were trying to represent a modern world in an industrial society. So does that sound familiar? Yeah.
1: Um, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so definitely was an influence on constructivism that way, what they're trying to pick. They did a lot of things with like cars and airplanes and stuff like that. Um, the most, one of the most famous futurist pieces that I like is <laughs> if you look up, uh, dynamism of a dog on a leash, it's, it's a wiener dog wagging his tail real fast. <laughs> And it, Whoa, it brings me great joy. Whoa, that's trippy. Right?
1: It's like he's scrambling his legs Scooby-Doo style.
0: It's very Scooby-Doo. And the, and
1: the dude behind them or person behind them is like yeah. also.
0: That's kind of cool. The leash. Overall. Yeah. So here's the thing. What's funny is this is so cute. This is so cool. This movement also gets pretty fashy.
1: Ooh, not good. I guess yeah. it's. Uh, it says on the Wikipedia that they, they have a lot of Italian... Yeah. So that's
0: what ends up happening is, I mean, I don't know a ton about Italy and fascism, but based on my understanding of this movement, it seems like there was a divide between, you know, old country, you know, stick with tradition and modernism, almost for modernism's sake, if that makes sense, you know, just like rapid advancement of technology. And the futurists were also into violence and violence. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they just were just like, fuck it. I just want to be advanced, basically. That, that's super simplified, by the way, but this is just...
1: They wanted to move fast and break things. Like Yeah, the... like fucking Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were the
0: Zuckerbergs.
1: And, of course, they became fascists, so there you yeah,
0: go. Yeah, it works.
1: Man, I just don't look at that dog and think fascism, but...
0: <laughs> I, I that's a fascist could... dog. Interesting. You... Some of their other stuff, if you just like scroll through Wikipedia of it and and see some of the other pieces there, you're like, okay, yeah, this looks, this feels pretty chaotic. And that was Mm -hmm. kind of our thing.
1: Chaos. That's interesting because fascism isn't really, you know, chaotic or anything. I guess there were some major developments later or something that change it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. What's interesting about a lot of these movements is, and constructivism is part of this same pattern, is that these people will be like super pro, you know, in constructivist case, they'll be super pro propaganda mm-hmm. and, you know, communism. And, but then they end up getting kind of fucked over by their governments who are like, actually, no, <laughs> we, we don't want this weird art. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the bummer side of this. I imagine some similar things happen with the futurists. I don't actually know. Hmm.
1: Makes sense. But, all
0: right. So those are just kind of like, those are the granddaddies of what we're going to be talking about. Just kind of the progenitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this next one is more like the the daddy of it, okay? Um, which is suprematism, not supremacism. That one's bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I could.
0: You have to very carefully Google this term.
1: Oh, on Wikipedia it says not to be confused with supremacism.
0: <laughs> yeah. So don't do that. All right. And this is now where we can get into listeners. We have a multimedia presentation for you. Ooh. A.K.A. on our Instagram, we will be posting um, slides of the art we'll ta- be talking about. This is slide two. The slide one is the cover. Okay. So um, you should be looking at a big white painting with some funky shapes on it. That's cool. Cool. This is by Kazimir Malevich, who basically founded suprematism. It was his thing. In 1912, um, L. Lysitsky is another famous one. We're also going to be looking at some of his work. Mm-hmm. Basically, this was art based on geometric forms, limited colors. And um, I think I pulled this from their manifesto. It's the supremacy of pure artistic feeling. So it's kind of meta. It's
1: definitely trying to get away from this is a really good, you know, painting (laughs) of a tree. Like this is a really good representation of something.
0: Yeah, no representation. It's just abstract, just feelings, just, just color and form.
1: This is cool. This reminds me of like a space satellite is what it like a space station or something.
0: Mm, (laughs) I could see that. Yeah. So this this kind of will inform some constructivist work, too, as as you'll see later. But I just wanted to kind of touch on it. Malevich was actually the first to use the term constructivist. But he, you know, classic. He used it as a derisive term. Oh, that's the best. (laughs) Apparently,
1: that's how everything is coined is.
0: I know. Right. People
1: making fun of you.
0: I, I hope that happens to me. If someone gives me a really mean nickname, I'll be like, Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm shithead. <laughs> uh, listeners. Or please what was call it? Iron butt or Iron Butt. <laughs> I would be I'd be Iron Butt. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, so he, he was talking shit about Alexander Rachenko, and which is like these constructivists.
1: Ugh. And Rachenko was like, Cool, yeah, we're constructivists now. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's actually me. <laughs> Um, But overall, um, suprematism just kind of laid the foundation for like, hey, we're going to be using more color and shape and form, just focusing on those kinds of components instead of representation. And the way you can kind of tell the difference between them is they were much more interested in like the metaphysical world than the real world where constructivists were like, how can I apply this art to, you know, help people?
1: Interesting. So like they're kind of the professors in the classroom, just kind of going on some theory Mm-hmm. the suprematists are and then the constructivists are like cool theory bro i'm taking it into the streets
0: basically yes okay yeah cool um so now let's move to our next slide um this will be the third one in the slideshow you should be looking at a red triangle busting into a white circle uh great you don't read russian what do you think is going on in this picture
1: <laughs> uh all right when was this
0: done this was in 1920
1: 1920 all right the red those are the communists uh and the soviet union more broadly speaking you know the the Mm -hmm, cool mm -hmm. bolsheviks (laughs) okay and they're doing their i don't speak russian at all but uh in the 20s may well they're still fighting they're in the civil war so they could be fighting the whites
0: that's exactly correct. The title of this piece is Beat the Whites with the Red Wedge.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? So this is, this is Elisitsky. And I mean, my note here is basically what you said. You know, like he used super simple shapes like this based kind of on what, uh, Milovich was doing mm-hmm. to communicate a powerful message. And this was made for the Civil War. And yeah, like that's how they communicated. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. So, yeah, because you can see it's it's trying to, it's, like, stabbing this, like, white mm-hmm. circle thing. That's cool. Yeah.
0: So, Lys- Lysitsky was technically a suprematist. Um, again, it's so hard to say that without making him sound <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think of him as kind of a bridge between, between the two. So, because he was actually applying it to the real world. Yeah. So... Yeah, actually, Lysitsky, he was designing propaganda posters, and apparently he preferred mm-hmm. to keep quiet about this time because one of the main subjects was the exiled Leon Trotsky. <laughs> so.
1: So he, um wait, he was friends with Trotsky and then didn't want to be known as that or the opposite?
0: Yeah, no, I yeah. think. Yeah, he was like, I don't want to be associated because since he got exiled. Yeah.
1: Problematic which, like, fave.
0: Yeah. Fake friends. All right. So now we're going to get into a movement called the Proletkult.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: this is a portmanteau of proletarian and culture.
1: Culture, okay, not cult.
0: No, not cult. <laughs> the proletarian cult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this was a group of artists who wanted to make a new revolutionary working class aesthetic which was inspired by, guess what, modern industrial society.
1: Whoa, they're all about that, man.
0: Everyone's favorite phrase. Everybody
1: looks at a factory and they just start thinking art.
0: Everyone's so horny for these factories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the main deal with this group, um, it didn't last too long Mm -hmm. because it was funded by Soviets, but the group, since they're a bunch of artists, they wanted autonomy from state control, so that caused a lot of friction.
1: The, the state was like, no thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they ended up getting into a lot of clashes with Lenin and stuff like that. Like, he thought they were super bougie. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: were they super they were, bougie? They were,
0: I don't know. It, what's weird about it is that they were formed because they wanted the movement to be less about, like, they call it the intelligentsia. Mm hmm. Um, basically educated people yeah. and more working class. They wanted the movement to represent the people more.
1: Ah, but Lenin um, was like, no, you guys are.
0: Yeah. Basically Lenin did not like their, the cut of their jib.
1: Your posers.
0: <laughs> yeah. In fact, he wrote, um, a gigantic response to like their movement. Like according to, um, Wikipedia. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> he he went through more than two hundred books in order to pen a response to their work. So like he was really mad at them. So he was he like their research. most
1: devoted follower because he hated them. Like he Yeah, he was a troll. Watched them all the time and then would write <laughs> them mad, you know, angry letters. Yes. About yes. How bad their work was that he had meticulously followed.
0: <laughs> yes, basically. It's like I have studied you and I hate it. So yeah, it, it was a weird dichotomy. So they were formed after the, the failed revolution, um, to oust the Tsar in 1905. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were, they were founded by more of like the, the left side of the Bolsheviks. Okay. And, you know, like I said, they wanted to be, it to be more working class and they wanted to like make art that would represent that. Um, and if you go to slide four, you can see some of their work. I don't actually know what this poster is about, but it cracks me up.
1: Slide four. Oh, I've seen this and I do know what it's about.
0: What's it about?
1: All right. I was, it looks
0: like a guy's eating an olote.
1: <laughs> I think he's eating some corn or maybe a bread. Hey, I wasn't too far of bread off. Or something. Um, well, yeah. Maybe bread. It's just food. It doesn't matter like what it is really. But mm-hmm. the first one is like, I think at the very top, it says like, do you want to do these things or something? Do you want to, And then it's like, do you want to banish the, co- the cold? Or, you know, exposure, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you want to banish hunger? So those are the first mm-hmm. two. And then do you want to eat? Do you want to drink? Mm-hmm. Then join whatever uh, communist uh, organization it is. I don't remember what particular one, but. That's awesome. It's for their propaganda, some sort of propaganda board. Join your local organization.
0: Fuck yeah. I mean, I, I do want to eat and drink and not starve and be cold.
1: Yeah. And it's clear, like, without really, without getting the translation, that it's, it's no to this monster, no to the skeleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes to, <laughs> or this guy looks pretty happy. He's eating, like you said, an elote or something.
0: <laughs> it does look like this an elote guy's to me. This
1: chugging something. Yeah. Looks pleasurable.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, this was done by Mayakovsky. Okay. So he he wanted to work with these really simple shapes to get this idea across. He was kind of referencing um almost like folk art, you know, and just how simple shapes, you know, simple these characters look. Yeah. Like you said, like this is a pretty understandable story even without knowing what's going on.
1: Yeah. I love the snow monster dude. He is hilarious. I love
0: him. <laughs> I love his creepy hands.
1: Does he have no? I thought he had six fingers or something. He just has weird. No, hands. yeah, it
0: does look like he has too many. That's the thing about cartooning is I only do four fingers because if you do five, it always looks like there's too many.
1: Yeah, I don't draw many hands, but I imagine that would be hard. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: sucks. Um. So yeah, the one of the leaders of this movement was Anatoly Lunacharsky. And he wanted to found a human religion around socialism, basically the idea of we're all serving a greater good, and that was one of the reasons that Lenin didn't like him. Um.
1: That was smart. <laughs> the, the attempt to form a humanist religion thing never really goes well. That's what they tried to do in the French mm-hmm. Revolution with uh, with uh, I guess Robespierre was the one, main one trying to do that, the cult of reason, and then the cult of the supreme being eventually. Ooh. Uh like a sort thinking. of deism style like, but it's yeah. all about like rationality and you know,
0: great enlightenment shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like that doesn't usually work out.
0: <laughs> it really doesn't. So that kind of that kind of covers that movement. They are again kind of a precursor to constructivism, but um they they used a lot of the same ideas.
1: And this was the So
0: the prolet cult.
1: A prolet cult.
0: Like, like Yaku. <laughs> Do you remember Yaku? Yeah. My well, shit's good. All right. So now we get to the actual real deal constructivists. Okay. We're going to start with Vladimir Tatlin. He was one of the founders, if you remember. Yes. And we're going to go to slide five, which mm-hmm. has this weird wood string sculpture thing.
1: That looks like either. A hammock or like a <laughs> guitar bridge,
0: yeah, that's a lot going on here <laughs> so this is one of his corner well they're called they're called counter reliefs, and these are so he was influenced by Picasso, and I remember when I was talking about cubism, they did some um like collages, so he saw those these like scrap metal still lifes. And he's like, I don't want to make some, but with like modern industrial materials. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so he started making his own like 3d collages. All right. Um, he actually didn't consider himself a constructivism, but like, you'll, you'll see that you know, he gets he, called he influenced one. them. Yes. He gets called one a lot. Um, so yeah, he, he built these kind of, um, corner based collages. They weren't always in corners, but they usually were. And he was really just exploring material. So this was made of copper and wood and I think some wire too. And just trying to I don't know, explore modern stuff with yeah, modern materials. Show That's what their sort of
1: properties thing. are, sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. here's some really good copper in its natural state or whatever. Yeah. That's cool it's weird and then
0: cool it's it's weird it gets it's gonna get weirder go to the next slide number number six <laughs> all right
1: and listeners if you're wondering what vladimir tatlin looks like he looks like ron weasley wait does he yeah look at vladimir tatlin he looks exactly like what's his face rupert grint or...
0: oh my god he does where's the biopic <laughs>
1: yeah, he should. I mean, it's like Jesus. It's like maybe it's just a, that picture, and he never looks like the, that again. The
0: front-on view, you know, the nose. Yeah, yeah, that's 100%. insane.
1: All right, whoa, All right. this is looks like <laughs> a science fair project or something.
0: I mean, it kind of was. So this is the model. This is the model for a monument that was never built. Spoiler. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So this is a supposed to be a monument to the third international in Moscow.
1: It looks like a roller yeah. coaster.
0: It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I never understood. I'm about to read the description of this thing, and it gets pretty crazy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So this thing would have been 400 meters tall, which, um, for fellow uh, Americans, that's taller than the Eiffel Tower. I did not know how big that was. So. <laughs> yeah. Same. And inside of this tower, there would have been suspended geometric shapes rotating at different rates to show the passage of time
1: to so like <laughs> cubes and
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. so i actually have a list of what was going to be all up in here okay <laughs> The the bottom was going to be a cube all which right. would hold a lecture hall and it would rotate once a year
1: a lecture hall like with people <laughs> going into the rotating cube
0: <laughs> oh it's gonna get weirder
1: dude that is cool
0: Next is a pyramid, which would house executive activities, whatever that means. And that would rotate once a month.
1: That's still pretty cool, but that's more like Illuminati shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Next is a cylinder, which would be an information center. It would have news and it would have like manifestos housed in it, I guess. Or maybe they would broadcast that. Mm Mm-hmm. They would house a telegraph, a radio, and a loudspeaker. This thing would rotate once a day, which seems like a lot to me. <laughs> like, I feel like you'd get motion sick or no, something. No, no,
1: That's still pretty small. Well, it depends on the size of the bill. Uh, like, because yeah. as you go further I mean, up, thing it's smaller, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It would be smaller.
1: I don't know why your cube, your lecture hall is the biggest thing.
0: I mean, it's, I guess it's a cool lecture.
1: It's got to be. That's like a stadium. Because like, they think about above that so way less a space. quarter
0: mile tall so but yeah if you look at the picture it is tapering as it gets up
1: yeah you would think you would want anyway <laughs> that's yeah. hardly the most crucial uh design limitation
0: <laughs> <laughs> right and then um they also wanted to have like an open air screen on it so you could like project stuff all right um it gets weirder <laughs> the next level is a hemisphere for radio equipment that one's pretty chill and then this is the, my favorite part. They eventually wanted to be able to project information on clouds whenever it was like an overcast day.
1: That's cool.
0: <laughs> Isn't that crazy. Holy like here's today's weather. Yeah. So yeah, um, this was never built due to funding issues and I can fucking see why. <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: you know, you feel kind of awkward bringing that up in the party meetings. Uh, you know, we need a little, uh, just a little bit of money allocated toward our giant, <laughs> uh, our giant tower of executive offices, pyramids, and
0: spinning geometry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cloud projection. It sounds super cool. And oh, this
0: sounds cool as fuck.
1: <laughs> I think they were maybe ahead of their time in terms of cloud projection. They're really just, you know, bootstrapping a, uh, a giant screen. You know, it's like the, I mean, yeah. Big flat screen, but nature's big flat screen.
0: I mean, I want someone to do that. That sounds rad. Yeah. Anyway, this is Tatlin. This is his big tower. This is what people, this is one of the big pieces that people think of when they think of constructivism. Is the model of the
1: big tower, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was the concept, too, behind it. Uh, just because, yeah, it was not ever built. But the idea of, like, yeah, this would be a super industrial-looking building, and it's for, like, you know, a public works project. Mm-hmm. And, yeah.
1: And for the, you said the third international?
0: Yes. Which, what is that again?
1: So that's, so remember we had the first international where uh, the socialist parties and all, all the left-wing mm, the parties in met. Yeah. Um, and then they split up communists and anarchists. You had the second international, which is like just you know the anarchists are no longer coming uh you just have the uh you just have the left wing like socialists and communists and stuff
0: it sounds like like a church like they got kicked out or something or like they're no longer attending service dividing
1: yeah um yeah. so the second international is like their next time to get together uh, their next you know these happen over multiple years like this is 1889 Mm -hmm. and 1916 and they kind of like occasionally meet in congresses uh but the Mm -hmm. second international was socialist and labor parties and they uh break up basically when world war one happens all the different parties some of them back their governments and stuff so
0: okay that that old chestnut
1: yeah uh, and that's the second international. And then the third international, which is the one they're talking about here, is also called the Communist International War, the Common Turn.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: which is directed by uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, and I guess it starts in 1919. So before they're the Soviet Union, really. They're just Soviet Russia. Uh, and lasts until
0: 1943. Okay. Cool. Yeah i know they had a cool logo it's
1: it's a little extra
0: <laughs> no wait maybe it wasn't cool let me look it up again i like it the, w- the
1: world with the big hammer and sickle
0: <laughs> yeah i like it i mean i don't like it but but i like it it's like, a, it's, it's ugly cool
1: yeah guilty pleasure Hmm. but yeah it was kind of like the soviet union's attempt to kind of control or influence the direction of communist movements worldwide
0: yeah it was that global communism yeah stuff. nice um to me just that logo looks like it was like the communist un or something yeah all right so next we're gonna get into alexander rochenko the guy who was like oh you called me a constructivist well that sounds cool
1: <laughs> no, i'm a constructivist now
0: yeah so he, he studied under Tatlin. So they were buds. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of these people, they, he was super prolific. He did like a lot of different disciplines. Most of the people we're going to talk about did like a million different things. Um, what I want to talk about first, though, <laughs> is my favorite fact about this guy. He was in this ex- exhibition called five times five equals 25, or maybe it's five by five equals 25. Okay. Um, this was in 1921. And if you go to slide seven, you will see. <laughs> His painting, and uh, this is one of those that really pisses off art people who don't get art.
1: <laughs> All right, red, yellow, blue. Who is that? Mm-hmm. That's like uh, that's a flag.
0: Uh, oh, um, what flag is it? It's
1: that? some little European thing. <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's okay. Sorry if you're from that place. Any- no, <laughs> anyway. I don't
1: mean to. Yeah, it's it's a cool flag. It's you know tricolor uh, and Belgium? red, yellow. Is it Belgium? No, no, no. Belgium is. Black, yellow, and red, I think. Oh,
0: black. Okay. Um, Anyway, so this this piece is called Pure Red, Pure Yellow, and Pure Blue. And it was a triptych. Um, So, you know, three canvases, just of red, yellow, blue. Mm -hmm. And this whole show was, it was a group of artists who were getting around to do super abstract geometric work. And they claimed to be the death of art and the death of painting
1: okay hey, so he's saying he killed it like he killed art with this here
0: Mm-hmm. yeah they this is his way of saying like painting that's done we're oh,
1: we're yeah we're canceling art art is <laughs> out
0: canceled. yes no
1: more art. um it was romania by the way except for this is not the right order <laughs> it's like backward oh, okay romania. it's the right color, backward color, mirror romania <laughs> uh the, the nega romania yeah uh so he, how did he defeat art by doing this?
0: He he thought that by doing super abstract and geometric stuff and kind of by sticking with those constructivist ideals that we wouldn't have a need for, for painting and, and more traditional oh, yeah. art anymore.
1: So it's just painting as a medium that he's defeating, not art overall?
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically, the idea of like, no, art is all about utility now. Like, pff, we're not going to just be sitting around being frou-frou and, you know... No, no decoration for decoration's sake. That kind of thing.
1: Wow. Oh no, man. People like to put up decorations and stuff in their <laughs> house. I know. Uh, what well, would you put up? You, I mean, were these people who would say, "No, you just like put up pictures of your leaders or pictures of cool things that you like, but don't put up just art."
0: I mean, I wouldn't say. they would they put, put up, up pictures of, of leaders. Put
1: up pieces of wood and <laughs> strings of copper.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. They they would get a, a counter sculpture um a counter relief but uh no i would say you will see later kind of the things they get into okay they would be much more interested in product design um textile design furniture design gets really heavily influenced by these people Hmm. so that i've talked about this before on the podcast but the idea of the beauty of everyday things so like things are gonna be nice like it'll still be nice to look at but they will also also be useful
1: that's kind of cool so like your space won't need uh knickknacks and stuff to make it look cool it will already like it Mm -hmm. okay that that's i i I, I, can see that yeah (laughs)
0: um so he also uh rochenko also became known as as a productivist um this is kind of the same concept the idea of art in everyday life um and the way this kind of manifested with him was um well let me ask you a question first can you tell us can you tell us and the listeners About the new economic policy and what that meant?
1: I can, yeah. I saw this in the thing and I was like, I know a little bit about (laughs) this, but I need to read up. Okay, so the new economic policy uh, was a like policy of the Soviet Union under Vladimir Lenin. Uh, I think he starts it in 1921. Mm -hmm. The timeline goes basically that Russian Revolution happens, Russian Civil War starts, right? everything's crazy and during that time period they have something called war communism where they're just trying to survive it's just like the state mm-hmm. controls mm-hmm. everything the military controls everything give us yeah, your resources yeah. keep people alive as best we can let's survive but the new economic policy is after that and, and once they uh, base their economies in ruins it's just destroyed it's terrible yeah. everything's bad <laughs> and Lenin takes a step back and says okay I think we're going to have to retreat a little bit in our attempts to get to socialism and we're going to have to do a little bit of capitalism. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to introduce a little bit of the market back into play to get things going. So, um, basically it's state controlled, you know, markets, state controlled capitalism. Uh, It opened up sectors of the economy to kind of small scale private enterprise, as well as uh, like cooperatives and stuff, but way less centralized. Um, So the state would still control what they termed the commanding heights of the economy.
0: Okay. What is that?
1: Heavy industry, um, anything deemed like essential was still nationalized.
0: Okay, so like medicine and right, like so they would have the military. Mm-hmm.
1: Like they would have, uh, they would have things like that still under state control, and like banks and stuff. Like um,
0: food, probably.
1: Well, food production actually was. They were trying to privatize that
0: because uh, mm, that needed a boost. Yeah, so <laughs> no one had food. They
1: were changing it from like grain requisitions, just taking grain from people uh to like taxes. Ah. Um, so they were becoming, you know, they were you would have a place in the new economic policy as the tax czar there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it could be me.
1: Yeah. Um and basically Lennon was like, yeah, this is kinda of bullshit. I don't really like it. <laughs> you know, this sucks that we have to do this. But we have to do this because we don't have any economic capabilities and we need to do some capitalism to let it do what it does best, which is accrue shit and and build and and make wealth happen uh Mm -hmm. we need to get some get some material advancement before we're ready to transition over to a non-market economy
0: that's very interesting i i feel like that's one of those things people will jump on and be like well see you have to have capitalism
1: uh yeah (laughs) but i think that marx definitely did agree that to get to socialism you had to have capitalism like that's he would true. have been it's a part of the cycle yeah he would have been a critic of what they were doing in russia anyway with them kind of almost skipping the whole capitalist stage right at, right from feudalism into
0: oh that's true you know,
1: and then lenin's like well f- fuck this is all it's all messed up right now let's try <laughs> to run a you know a Market, but make sure everyone's provided for, you know, state regulations mm-hmm. and controls and shit until we get strong enough to where we can move away from that.
0: That makes sense because, yeah, they were going from basically like a fucking agrarian serfdom to <laughs> try and jump to straight to, to communism and without. I mean, as much as capitalism is it's very good at extracting resources. So like, yeah, they need to get good at that, I guess. Yeah.
1: And they were using it to kind of incentivize, uh, farmers and shit to produce more stuff. Um, it did have some negative consequences because you have people called the NEP men who like mm-hmm. get rich off of this shit. Basically just, you know, mm. entrepreneurs and other various kind of asshole middlemen who were just trying to, just trying to make a buck or a ruble, I guess, um, and once Lenin dies uh Stalin starts reversing that and eventually abandons the n e p in nineteen twenty eight and says, "No, we're doing five year plans now, so it's okay. like back to heavy nationalization and stuff mm, okay, and like we're gonna we're gonna do the socialism stuff now instead of all this market
0: bullshit okay, interesting so uh back to Rodchenko, he ended up working for one of those state run industries, and he was um basically designing posters for them so they could compete um, with capitalist companies. Okay. So if you go to the next slide, slide eight, you can see a cool airplane.
1: Okay. There it goes. Whoa. All right. I like that. That's cool. That's a cool ad, right? That looks like, that looks like a new deal ad.
0: Like yeah. Yeah. Thing. I think it's got some of that same DNA. Uh, so this was an ad poster for the state airline de Brullet. This was in 1923. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy also did the original poster for battleship Potemkin. If you Ooh, that.
1: Yeah. I've seen that yeah. too. That's, that's a cool one.
0: Yeah. So this, this is very, the reason I guess this is constructivist. Cause again, you see it uses these really simple shapes and you know, even though you don't speak Russian, you can understand like, Hey, well, this is about a plane. This is about like, clearly there's a modern skyline going on. Um, just using the super limited color palette. So you can just like read the image really quickly and move on to the information.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: Confusingly, I'm going to make you go back to slide one because this was the cover art for our social post. Okay. And this is probably Rochenko's most famous work. It's called Books, Please, in All Branches of Knowledge.
1: Books, please.
0: Books, please. (laughs) (laughs) So Rachenko also worked on educational posters. Um, Russia had extremely low levels of literacy at this point. Mm-hmm. So they needed really bold visual materials to get their ideas across. And again, you know, without being able to read Russian, you can kind of get the gist of this. Like, this is some sort of announcement. Somebody's yelling something. Yeah. Um, Rechenko and other constructivists played a lot with uh, what was called back then photo montage, which is basically a collage. Okay. Um, but it was it was kind of a new thing at this time was the ability to, like, kind of photocopy and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. That's cool. Um,
0: he was also, like, a photographer. Uh, later in his life, he did a lot of photography with very weird and jarring angles. If you look up some of his work, it's pretty cool. Um, and, and still has that idea of, like, um, angular shapes and very bold visuals.
1: But in photography, so, that's
0: interesting. But in photography, it's cool.
1: Hmm.
0: It's very cool. Like, he would take... There's a super famous one where he takes like a self, he basically takes a selfie <laughs> in a mirror selfie, but it's one of those like kind of rounded um, like rear view mirrors that would be like on the bike or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, So like, it just looks kind of funny. Yeah. And um, yeah, he did one where like, he's like up on a ladder. And so like you're, or maybe he's down below on the ladder, but like, it's like you have the lines of the ladder moving up. So it just like leads your eye through the composition um, similar to how this image does.
1: Yeah, I like it. This is she's shouting something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one you have to you'd be able to. You would need to be able to read a little more Russian. But
1: I like the lines of the like the the black like sideways M thing going on.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So these you know constructivism is a big influence on graphic design uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later, but just the idea of like leading your eye through a composition through like shapes and you know, how you organize information is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, he also did posters on the history of the Bolshevik party. Um, he used a lot of collage material in that, um, he would basically like take different photos and like news clippings and stuff like that. And like layer them onto a composition. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, they were kind of hard to see, so I didn't pull those for okay. our listeners, but you can Google them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's for Chunko. He was a big deal in this movement. All right, we're going to move on to one of my favorites, which is a uh, slide. We're jumping back into slide nine, next to last one. Uh, this is uh, some work by Varvara Stepanova.
1: What are these? <laughs>
0: <laughs> these are... Uh, clothing designs for a sports team
1: hey okay that i was thinking that this one on the bottom left looks like a soccer kit so
0: yeah so uh she was a fashion designer uh another one that i didn't pull images of because i ran out of slides for you know instagram format is um but a very cool person you should look up is Bov popova that's l-i-u-b-o-v and popova is pretty much just how it sounds. Um. So both of these women were fashion designers and textile designers, and they made some really cool shit. <laughs> um, Stepanova was uh, actually Rachenko's partner. And um, she, in these designs and in some of her other work, uh, she drew on traditional peasant wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, you know, she still had kind of, you know, pulling from the culture so people would find it familiar and like it um but really modernizing it with patterns and like dynamic shapes um Is, she was also big into gender neutral clothing which like i'm very into yeah that's cool um her thing was all about flexibility and comfort you know she wanted to design clothes for the modern world
1: yeah and that's that definitely fits into uh the ideology of mm-hmm. communism you know, as as implemented, there is the, the idea of the new Soviet person, you know, the new Soviet man or whatever, like people would be changed by. It's kind of what we were talking about in our episode about human nature and stuff. People would be changed by living in a socialist society and would be different and would be, you know, gender roles would be reduced for a while, you know, things like that. So,
0: yeah, definitely. That was that was a big inspiration point for her. And I believe Popova too. They They both really were drawn to the idea of like oh yeah women can like do whatever the fuck they want now like let's let's make them clothes that are like practical
1: <laughs> yeah and this was uh who was the patterns person
0: um they both did pattern work uh but the other person here was popova p-o-p-o-v-a, popova
1: stepanova okay yeah i was looking at some of popova's patterns and they do look they there's this little one with like a little hammer and sickle thing and it's super cute
0: oh that one's really cute But yeah, she has some super cool stuff. And like, you can definitely see um, if you look up some of her more like abstract patterns, you can totally see the line from like Malevich's super geometric compositions to some of these textile patterns. So I I really like the, the textile design part of this because it is, to me, super exemplative of how to take, you know, kind of that quote unquote, high art and translate mm-hmm. to something that you're going to use every day and it's going to make your day better and it's going to be useful.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: So yeah, that's right. that's those two. Uh, not to lump the two women in the same category, but <laughs> they just both did fashion design. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they also did a bunch of other stuff like a lot of these people. So it's kind of cool. All right, moving to our last slide here. This is the work of Naum Gabo. You should be looking at some weird sculpture made out of like plasticky looking stuff yeah great right? your face is confused
1: yeah it looks like some <laughs> not your face? it looks like something no it's not it looks like some weird <laughs> thing that you would see in, an, in a corporate office
0: mm, yeah <laughs> to me I, yeah it gives kind of that 80s corporate vibe yeah there you go pretty yeah. ironic <laughs> some so laugh, but... this is it's called column it was uh, the design was in like 1921, but I think they built the model later. Um, so this was originally designed to be a public sculpture and the Soviet Constitution was going to be engraved on the sides and they would light up at night so people could, could see them.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Which that makes it a little cooler.
1: Yeah, for sure. How tall would that be?
0: Um, I don't know. I, I don't remember reading what the dimensions would
1: not be. Not like, not the tower, not the 400-meter tower dimensions, probably. No,
0: I don't think so. Probably not. Yeah. Um, I don't think this one ever got made either, though. I mean, times were tough.
1: <laughs> it's kind of cool to imagine it as a big, as a sculpture then. Okay. So that's...
0: Like, yeah, th- yeah, because it looks kind of dinky in this picture. Like, it would just be, like, in the corner. This looks like, like it would table. be sitting
1: on someone's desk, you know, or something. Mm. Like, just a little blimp. Yeah. But, like, okay.
0: So, um, Gabo was a sculptor primarily. And um he moved around Europe a lot. Uh eventually he had to leave Russia during the Civil War um <laughs> because he was trying to make, you know, industrial sculptures that uh hey, all the metal is being used cuz you know, war. <laughs> ah, so
1: yeah.
0: yeah, it became a lot harder for him to make stuff, so he he left and kind of bounced around a lot. And he wrote something called The Realistic Manifesto in 1920. Um, So a quote from that is, on the squares and on the streets, we are placing our work convinced that art must not remain a sanctuary for the idle, a consolation for the weary and the justification for the lazy. That's me. (laughs) Art should attend us everywhere that life flows and acts at the bench, at the table, at work, at rest, at play on working days and holidays at home and on the road in order that the flame to live should not extinguish in mankind. Dope. So, he liked art, nice. guys. <laughs> 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 he was into it.
1: That's cool. So, he, he thinks he sees art as one of our primary drives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, it's something that should be everywhere. I read, like, an interesting article on this guy. So, he... You know, left the Soviet Union, and people tried to pin that as like, oh, see, like Soviet Union, they're they're mean to artists, and they definitely could be. I'm not gonna say they weren't, but what was interesting about that is someone was like researching it further. He actually held onto his Soviet passport till like the 50s, and they're like, you couldn't have kept that unless you were still a citizen, and they were cool with you. So like, he had to have like been on board in some way. Yeah. And like he he almost moved back a few times. Like there were there are a lot of like surrounding circumstances to that, I guess. Um, but he
1: he didn't yeah. leave and then like talk a bunch of shit or something and be like, "I in fact, left." No, he not Okay.
0: <laughs> no, he he in his memoirs wrote something to the effect of like, "Yeah, how could you see what was going on back there and not fucking start a revolution? <laughs> you know, like you'd be crazy." Mm-hmm. So yeah. he seemed to still be a supporter, um, but. Um, like we're going to get into here in a second, a lot of artists did have to leave. So
1: yeah, okay, that makes yeah. sense.
0: All right, next we're going to go to uh, basically Constructivism school, and okay. I'm not sure how to say this word. It's Vakutamas. Let's let's try that. It's spelled V K H U T E M A S.
1: Vkhutemas. It was the
0: State Art and Technical School, founded in 1920. And their goal was, quote, to prepare master artists of the highest qualifications for industry and builders and managers for professional technical education, end quote.
1: All right. So they were teaching artists.
0: Yeah. But like industrial artists, it seems like, you know,
1: the new, the the only the new type (laughs) that we're going with now. Yeah.
0: Painting's dead. It's done. Yes. (laughs) So the reason I included this, because I, I thought it was very interesting as someone who was an art major, um, this was uh, a school that made you take foundational art courses, oh. which is most colleges do that now. And um, their foundation courses are listed here. The Maximal Influence of Color, which was given by Popova, Form Through Color, Color in Space, Color on the Plane, Construction, taught by Rodchenko. So simultaneity—that's hard for me to say—of form and color, volume and space, history of the Western arts, and tutelage, which I guess would just be like shadowing somebody. Yeah. So yeah, this was like their state art school, and um, you know, obviously a lot of the constructivists were involved in it. Yeah. And I, <laughs> what was interesting about it is, um, you know, they're state funded, and they really liked the state. They made a lot of work that was like honoring Lenin and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, he visited in his quote, I have two quotes here, and it was, uh, well, tastes differ. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> Just oh. such a backhanded thing.
1: What a burn.
0: Yeah. And then the second one is, I am an old man.
1: <laughs> oh, at least he realized it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Comes out of there, it's wanna... not
0: my thing,
1: <laughs> but I'm old, like, I get it. Yeah. Kids, you know. Yeah kids thing. these
0: days <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so great
1: that's hilarious it sounds like they have some good professors there though you know, yeah right the getting the best of the best
0: yeah um so yeah that was kind of their legacy as far as education goes and so now we're going to get into a little bit of the sad part which is the decline of this movement but mm. you know that's how it goes
1: but lennon liked it sort of
0: i mean <laughs> he didn't it's the thing <laughs> so, what happened was, Lenin was, I mean, I feel like he tolerated it. Yeah. But um, basically, over time, uh, more and more avant garde artists became, they got removed from arts administration. A lot of the guys that we talked about in this section um, were like head of some sort of either a museum or an art department or something. Like they became pretty part of the government.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but then, but then they weren't. <laughs> What became favored was something called socialist realism, mm, okay. uh, which was the super idealized realistic art um, is all about glorifying uh, communist values. A lot of like muscular sculptures <laughs> and uh, people tilling fields full of wheat. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or
1: like the gay couple, the Soviet <laughs> and Chinese. Wait, what? Series of posters. So there was a thing <laughs> where the where the Soviet Union and and you know China they were trying to be they're trying to be friendly toward you know improve relations mm-hmm. and so they were putting out these posters.
0: <laughs> I they're forgot great. about these. They're very good. Okay, but so listen. what what did, I, what did you Google? I Google. I
1: googled for this? Soviet China posters.
0: There you go. Okay, Google that. You're gonna see some great gay propaganda.
1: <laughs> there. It's like yeah. It's this. You know. Friendship and socialists uh, uh, apparently have always been very big into the fraternal side of things and (laughs) openly showing affection. There's something called the the socialist fraternal kiss, which is where Soviet, you know, socialist leaders would, you know, oftentimes men would kiss each other on the lips. Oh, that was just a thing. And it wasn't seen as like anything romantic it was like
0: yeah
1: we're we're just bros we we
0: we're just bros and we kiss
1: yeah
0: um i've been watching the sopranos and there's so much male affection there and i love it yeah (laughs) (laughs) everyone's always hugging and kissing
1: but these this i guess this is what you mean in soviet realism or socialist realism Mm
0: -hmm. yeah this would definitely be an example of that super idealized just just big hunks being happy. Himbos. <laughs> Big himbo energy.
1: Socialist himbo unity.
0: Yes. So, yeah, basically, this also um, happened under Stalin. He was very into this shit. So, we can blame him.
1: Stalin was him. pro himbo. Pro himbo. I don't know if we can blame him for that. That sounds like
0: <laughs> one of the few things <laughs> we can put in the
1: good column.
0: Well, the problem with that is that this caused a lot of artists to get out of here because they're like i don't want to make this bullshit so
1: <laughs> yeah that's the problem though with picking one and being like no we're doing this now like <laughs> you could just be like oh check out this new form of, you know we're gonna do some socialist realism and let people do the other thing too
0: yeah yeah i mean that'd be ideal
1: but you gotta only have no. one so did they what deport the artists or did the artists just leave or
0: most of them just fled. Yeah. Um, but some of them, um, you know, they like lost their jobs and shit. So they're mm-hmm. like, Yeah, I'm I'm out of here. So That sucks. Sucks. Yeah. So, um, but what's kinda cool about them leaving is um they went to some cool places. Uh one of which was um founding or not founding, I guess it was already founded by them. But they some of them ended up teaching at the Bauhaus School, okay. which have you heard of this?
1: Uh I've heard of the Bauhaus typeface.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's, it's based on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the Bauhaus was a German art school that basically wanted to combine the craft and fine arts, both of those movements. Um, they wanted to basically find out a way to mass produce like very nice, um, Things, you know, okay. kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, they did a lot of stuff in furniture design. Um, they did a lot of product design, that kind of stuff. Uh, they also did architecture. That was a big thing there. Um, but their whole thing, they wanted to bring all art disciplines together. That was another thing. It's a very holistic kind of thing. Um, they were also into, I guess, not into <laughs> uh, ornamentation and um, decor kind of stuff. And they're all about the harmony and function and form, which we also kind of talked about. So definitely influenced by constructivists. And then definitely, definitely influenced because some of those constructivists came here to teach.
1: And and like directly influenced it. (laughs) Cool.
0: Yes. And what's also, I mean, not cool, but good for us in the States is a lot of these people ended up having to leave the Bauhaus in the 40s because of Hitler. Yeah. So we got a lot of cool artists out of that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so um, designer nerds, you probably have heard about uh, Bauhaus before, but they are a big influence. The whole mid-century modern design trend basically started there. That's why we have, you know, hairpin legs and, you know, bougie shit like that. Um,
1: (laughs) All the stuff from Mad Men is yeah definitely
0: derivative of that okay you know if not directly them then probably the americans who or the the german immigrants who came here and and made more stuff like that um yeah
1: oh so that so that's all the legacy of the the russian constructivists
0: it can be traced there yeah definitely the emphasis on geometry and on function and on materials like all that shit
1: Yeah. yeah wow interesting
0: i know it's cool um same thing with like you know graphic design proper i guess if you want to call it you know mm-hmm. definitely um the idea of composition and you know really using shapes to get your message across and your layout and stuff like that we talked about that earlier so all of this design history is linked and it's kind of cool
1: yeah that's awesome i didn't know like anything about that
0: do you have any questions
1: uh so it just kind of ends with the dispersal of everyone then.
0: Basically. Yeah. They, they disperse and, um, yeah, they, they kind of bounce around Europe and eventually some of them come to the States and continues that legacy. Um, if you think about things like, I, I kind of mentioned mid-century modern, but things like Saul Bass, he was a very famous designer, um, mm-hmm. in the States. I hope it's pronounced Bass. I actually don't remember. um, he did all those, like, opening title credits for, like, the man with the golden arm. If you've seen those, like, those crazy blocky hands and stuff. Um, that was... You can kind of see the constructivist roots of that as well, too. Look it up. I bet you've seen it.
1: Oh, okay. This type of thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anatomy of a murder.
0: Yeah. All that stuff. So, yeah, basically, yeah, they, they kind of dispersed and started influencing everywhere. And another... I guess famous school that came out of this was a Dutch school called De Stijl. Um, is very similar to Bauhaus. I think they were just a little more rigid. Um, they did stuff like uh, let me look up this artist's name. Yeah, Mondrian. <laughs> um, so if you've ever seen those just grids of shapes, and people are like, "I could do that," mm-hmm. um, that's from P. Eight Mondrian, who was part of the De Stijl style. Um, and you can definitely see the idea of know, some some of these concepts. Oh, that stuff. Applied okay. there, yeah. So yeah, these guys have a long legacy. But again, art history is one of those things. Like when you jump in, you can't just like jump in on one movement because it's like all kind of connected.
1: Yeah, it's it doesn't make sense in a vacuum.
0: Yeah, because like when you're part of an art movement, again, you don't know <laughs> you're part of it until someone you know trash talks you in a fucking <laughs> you know magazine or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it can be kind of a gradual thing. Like I would consider Tatlin to be kind of between suprematism and, and constructivism and same with Lysitsky, honestly. So, yeah.
1: Um, how do you think that socialism as it developed and everything, how do you think that it wasn't like that they impacted that at all? The constructivists, did they change its direction or anything like that? Do you think? Hmm. Or what influence did they have on?
0: On, like, the people. <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, I don't know. Um, I would say, I mean, I think you can look at some of the more concrete ones, like the kind of the ad work that Rotrenko did. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of, like, trying to directly help the economy with design. And we've kind of talked about that before. Like, wouldn't that be cool if, like, instead of having to design for ads for, like, bullshit, you could make work that, like, helps people? That kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And also, you know, like, the literacy um stuff like that like yeah. having educational posters and about like national history stuff like that they did a lot of work on that Rachenko especially but other artists too yeah Um, i think that's kind of cool mm-hmm. um i really liked how many of them focused on public works mm-hmm. i think that's awesome and i think i think it's helpful to think about in the context of the greater good like remember that one guy who was like well this should be our religion or whatever mm-hmm. um i don't think we have to go that far but I, I think it's very helpful to be like yeah these artists aren't just like making pretty shit just to make pretty shit they're making pretty shit so all of us can share in it and you know think about how we're all we're all in this together to quote high school musical <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i i agree with that assessment that makes sense that they're kind of bringing the art to the people it's not something fancy away in an ivory tower somewhere at the rich people's art gallery,
0: like exactly because yeah, before a lot of these movements, I mean, art was very much for the rich, and I th- I think that's where some of the pushback came from from like Lenin and later Stalin. They maybe they still considered art to be very bourgeois.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Lenin's yeah. like an old man. Like
0: <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I love that. It's so shady. <laughs> But yeah, I, I also, I love that idea of like the beauty of everyday things. Like I've talked about that before. Like that is very important to me to like, you can still have nice things under communism. And like, that's, that's something that artists definitely will keep pushing for. And as someone who actually did get to make like a textile design once and have it like printed and stuff like that is an awesome feeling. And it's great to like use that object and be like, man, I made this. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs>
1: uh What do you think about the, Okay, because this would be kind of a criticism someone would level is, mm-hmm. yeah, but they did propaganda or something. Like, mm. what are what do we think about propaganda? Is in terms of it being useful or it being oppressive or whatever?
0: I think that propaganda is kind of a spectrum. Like, like, like you can have good propaganda, right? Like, if it's a PSA, like, hey, learn to read, or you know, yeah. <laughs> That kind of stuff, like that, seems important. I would love some mask propaganda right now. It's not
1: categorically bad. It's just yeah.
0: I don't think it has it to, be to be bad. But yeah.
1: I think that's yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of a, a straw man or maybe a fallacy of some sort that like people try to say that oh you know. Oh, but that's propaganda, and that is therefore bad. Just you know.
0: Yeah, and I would say maybe this this is kind of going too far the other way. Maybe this is some freshman art appreciation bullshit but like kind of all art is a little bit propaganda e. yeah <laughs> like it doesn't exist in a vacuum even if you look at shit like you know old renaissance stuff it's like man they are basing like whoever the virgin mary was in that painting off of like who their patron was you know yeah <laughs> like it's none of it's i mean some of it could be just pure you know maybe the suprematists were pure but <laughs> yeah but it's not like it's all, n- it doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, like there's always going to be some element of power, especially when you look at things like the Western canon, where it is a bunch of rich dudes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Painting nice paintings of each other. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that's something that I always tell my students when they're like, they look at some portrait of someone who just, you know, mm. looks kind of ugly or whatever. And they're like, dang, this dude's, you know, it, why do you look like that? I'm like, you know, the weird thing is that's as good as the painter could make them look. Like,
0: <laughs> exactly. You don't,
1: you know, who you're gonna buy a painting from? The guy who makes everyone look uglier than they are, or the person who, you know, <laughs> makes everyone look a little bit better. So that's like probably the best he could look. That's
0: him on a good day. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's no look. acne, no <laughs> no bags on the eyes. Perfect. So if you think Perfect
1: that's complexion. bad, <laughs> it's, it was probably worse.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah.
1: But cool man you did a lot of research on this
0: thanks i had fun i i had like like i said a little bit more and then i was like i gotta (laughs) i gotta cut some of the cubist and futurist stuff but Mm -hmm. if you want to know more about know more about those just just google they're fun this was fun like i my favorite class in college was was history of graphic design um which is weird because it was like a night class it was like six to nine and Mm -hmm. i was always super tired after but like I wish I like a really cool professor. Um, he just was very animated and loquacious, so <laughs> he made it good.
1: Yeah, that's hopefully hopefully we did the same today.
0: I hope. Yeah, I hope I didn't just get all of this wrong. He <laughs> <You> probably <laughs> so didn't it's be like, excuse me.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't know. We, you know, maybe one of our listeners will will chime in and let us know yeah. if we made any errors.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: And we'll make a correction. So Yeah. All right.
0: All right. Cool. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that little art history lecture. Again. Actually I'm not I was about to say where to find the images, but you're you'd be lost if you didn't have them by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you can find us on social media. We are at teach me communism on Instagram. You can send us a message there, like our posts, etc. We are at Teach Communism on Twitter um we are at teachmecommunism at gmail.com if you want to send us a question or you have a suggestion for an episode topic you want to correct me on some our history please do <laughs> it's been a while since i was in college so <laughs> um what else patreon we have a patreon uh that is patreon.com slash teachmecommunism that's where you can find our episode notes i will be uploading my notes for this episode along with images there Oh, and be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, yes, please. It makes me so happy. I love it.
1: <laughs> it's heartwarming to see.
0: It is. Very much so. Cool. What do you want to do next time?
1: All right. Next time, I think we want to talk about a little something that is in the political discourse mm. from time to time, but I think more recently it's gotten a little more traction. Yeah. That's a uh, Universal Basic Income. Cool. UBI.
0: UBI. Not a UTI.
1: Nope. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about how it works. It's pros and cons. Just kind of evaluate it, see what we like about it.
0: Yeah. that is. Yeah, it is something that was super fringe, like, what, four years ago or something?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now it's something that, like, people regularly talk about it on Twitter and shit.
1: Yeah. And we'll have to get into... Like I said, the pros and cons, the weird different groups that are for it, against it, yeah, and ultimately figure out what we think about it and whether we will even agree on it. I don't know. So do we'll, uh,
0: we'll see. <laughs> Tune in to find out. Yeah. Cool. All right.
1: Uh, well, thank you for teaching me communism today.
0: Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it was fun. I nerded out. It was a good time.
1: You were an awesome teacher. You went at a good pace. I could ask questions and and I could follow along easily. Not confusing. Good. Good stuff.
0: All right, is this my, uh, what's that site? The Raider Professor? Yeah, site. something
1: like that. You're, well, yeah. you know, also just like your your evals at the end.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. So. Well, you were a very good student. You asked good questions. Thanks. <laughs> I felt like an asshole when I was like, have you heard of that? Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good technique. You're supposed okay, to do that. Okay,
0: good. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I yeah. didn't want it to seem like, well, now I know things and you don't. So I'm. I, this is just a power play.
1: <laughs> no, but yeah, that's. It's hard to do, but you have to assume like that your students don't know, don't necessarily know all the things that mm-hmm. you that you think. So yeah, did yeah. well. Thanks. <laughs> well then, uh, listeners, you can catch us next week when we. We'll be here talking about UBI, another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session.
0: Bye.
1: Bye.